You're listening to the Post-Apocalyptic Media Podcast, your source for all the latest post-apocalyptic news. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post-Apocalyptic Media Podcast. I'm your host, Derek. I'm joined by Sean. What's up? I threw you off there, didn't I? <laughs> All right. <A> little. <laughs> it's the new catchphrase for Sean. Uh, what's up? And uh, Stephanie. Hey. Hey. Hey, nothing as creative. No, what's up? All right. Yeah, <laughs> what's I want a, up? I want a real catchphrase from you next time. Uh, we, have, we have a good show for you today. By the way, we are a news podcast. If you want to know what's up with the news in post-apocalyptic world... The whole genre, we're covering it. That's games, movies, TV shows, events, music. Not music. We're not really. I have actually had post-apocalyptic bands contact me, and I'm like, not really. Not really. I've had some ideas mm. for music posts, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think it could be an interesting topic. It could be. Yeah. Also books. Yes. Oh, books also too. books. <laughs> Can't forget about books. Can't. They're going to outlast us all. And um, uh, so we're, yeah, we're covering the whole gambit of post-apocalyptic news here on the podcast and also throwing in our own opinions because we're human beings and we have those. (laughs) So um, let's just get right into it. Sean, you have some news about uh, the director of Saw. Yeah. Uh, James Wan, who is the guy who did the original, he was one of the co-creators and co-director producers or something of the original Saw movie from, was that 2002, something like that? Um, he's also oh, wow. the guy who created that creepy puppet, you know, that uh, that rides the little tricycle. Have you guys seen the movie? Yes, I've seen the movie. And in fact, uh, Call of Duty just released a skin that like looks like a grown adult version of that puppet. Oh, that's creepy. So, like, if you're playing, like, Warzone, you're just going to, like, look around and some guy looks like that puppet is shooting you with an AR. Oh, wow. No, thanks. Um, <laughs> so, James Wan, he he created that. He went on to do, like, The Conjuring, which is actually another puppet movie, kind of. Uh, so, he loves puppets. Actually, his Instagram is creepy puppet. Oh. So, he loves, he loves that whole thing. Anyway, so he is... Uh, it's been announced that he's going to work on a post-apocalyptic movie and it's going to be a horror movie. So, Hmm. you know, I don't know if there's not really anything more than that out there, uh, you know, about this. Um, We don't know if it's going to be like set in the Saw universe or the Conjuring universe. I would think not, but um, who knows? It might have puppets, you know, like the world was taken over by creepy puppets. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. That'd be crazy. Okay. Yeah, that'd be All crazy. Right. <laughs> so we don't know we don't know the topic of the movie. We just know that a famous guy who's yeah, made good movies famous. before. Yeah. Uh is making a post-apocalyptic movie. That's great and it's going to be a horror movie. Now, I'm trying to think of like what a good post-apocalyptic horror movie is like and I think my mind naturally goes straight to zombies. Yeah. What would you say about uh Resident Evil 1? being a horror movie yeah i would say so the game especially i i think that that counts you know now if are you saying like you think maybe james wan is going to work on that oh because no i hadn't made that connect i was just like i was just trying to ask myself do i want to watch a post-apocalyptic horror movie right now and i was like well i do love resident evil one yeah i could see that i you know there's so many different avenues 
where you know zombies of course like you said it's the it's the go-to for horror and post-apocalyptic kind of that mix i mean there's also stuff where maybe there's like a viral outbreak and people just get mutated maybe there's some kind of mutation thing and i mean Mm. i can think of a lot of a lot of the kind of trope horror that i watched when i was a kid i probably shouldn't have as Mm -hmm. a young kid is stuff that was like friday the 13th and you know nightmare on elm street and, and stuff like that where it was like one crazy guy that was you know killing people and so i don't see how they could make something like that into post-apocalyptic hmm. unless he killed everyone unless he killed every single person on earth the so. cause of the apocalypse <laughs> yeah one maybe, on one, like, yeah i mean the, so that's what i mean like back then it was kind of one th- one avenue of horror and hmm. now there are so many different ways that people make horror movies you know so your guess is as good as mine all right well uh so we've got we've got a new movie on the horizon and speaking of new movies we've got a new mad max movie in the production right yes yes i'm very excited about this one because it's uh it's going to be like the furiosa origin story you know it's going to be a young furiosa and it's going to have anya taylor joy who is actually when she was announced for the part she'd only been in a couple things and she's supposed to play a young Furiosa, like a early 20s Furiosa. Uh, so we get to see kind of that, you know, where she comes from, her backstory. Because in Fury Road, we saw that she was part of the Citadel. She was part of of the whole, uh, you know, Morton Joe's place. And then she kind of broke away and she rebelled and she took the, the tanker truck and they went they went away. So why, why is she like that? Like, why is she? I mean, we, I guess... You know, we know she's fed up with the way he treats women and the way he treats, like they say, you know, we are not objects. And so he, she's tired of that. But I'm sure there's more to it before that, you know. So I'd be excited to see that that prequel. Um, and, and with Anya Taylor-Joy being cast, I wrote a post about this. Um, she is currently starring in The Queen's Gambit, which is oh. on Netflix. It's the number one. It's been the number one show on Netflix for like two months it just came out two months ago and like as soon as it came out yeah it's been like the number one show so i had no real interest to watch it because i heard it was a you know about playing chess (laughs) and i'm like well i don't play chess so why would i watch this but then i i started doing research for this since she's gonna play furiosa i figured it would be cool Mm. um to make that connection you know figure out how you know why this show is popular yeah and maybe that popularity can carry over to you know, the anticipation for the new Mad Max movie. So oh, yeah. I started watching it. I'm about five episodes in. It is an incredible show. Really? <laughs> I see why it's number one. It's really, really good. Huh. It's I'm a sucker for 50s and 60s culture, and, and that's what it is. It's like set in the early 60s. It's kind hmm. of like a mix between Mad Men and, I don't know, kind of like Forrest Gump, uh, but not like a silly side of Forrest Gump, but like the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's it's a really really good show. It's really well done. It's I don't know. I, I don't want to give anything away, but it's if anyone out there has not watched it yet, it's not post apocalyptic at all. <laughs> but it's it's a good show. Yeah, I I haven't watched it yet. Me neither. I've, I've had it recommended to me several times, huh. but um, I don't know. You know, it is a hard it is a hard pitch. I'd yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I don't want to get into too much, and and you know, it's not for everyone. I think it's just a it's a good drama. She's a chess player. She's a, a prodigy. She's brilliant, and she gets orphaned early, and she goes through an orphanage, and she works on her chess, and she has a a, a really 
crazy mind. I mean, I guess like the movie A Beautiful Mind, you know, hmm. uh, and also like Goodwill Hunting, you know, kind of those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and she can visualize the chessboard and what's, you know, which moves and she can visualize an entire game before she plays it. And then she gets up to where she's the national champion, you know, she's the state champion, then the national champion. And I'm to the point now where she's going to go to Russia and play against the Russians. And I don't know, it's it's a, it's a, I mean, I, I'm not selling it very well, I feel like, but it's, <laughs> but it's really good. Is and, it, and it fiction or? Yeah, it's fiction. Okay. Yeah, it's fiction. It's it's not based on anyone in particular, but uh, it's it's a really good. And they, they play 60s music throughout it, which I am a uh, sucker for. I love that stuff. That's how I feel about it. Shows yeah. based in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Love yeah. it. I like any I like any show that will transport me accurately to a place in time that I haven't been. Even the yeah. 80s, Derek? With lots of I've 80s been to music. the 80s. I was, <laughs> but that's I when mean, I was born. transported there again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess for the record, I'm not an 80s music fan. I don't think that that was. I, I feel like the, we had good movie music in the 70s and then great music in the 90s, and uh, just something you know. There, there's good songs from the 80s. I'm not. I love all 80s music. So yeah, she does. <laughs> High five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well uh (laughs) on that note let's see let's 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 move on and yeah wait by the way i just want to i just want to recap that she is lead Mm -hmm. in an extremely popular netflix series yeah going to be the lead in the new mad max movie yeah yeah I mean, that's that's why I made that connection, you know, for this post is it's going to be huge. It's almost like she's building up the stock for this company that is the next Mad Max movie. You know, it's 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 just I don't know. Like she everything she's been in, too, has been um, super popular lately. Mm. And especially I think it's because of this. You know, people are all of a sudden going back and watching things she's done before. Little, you know, B movie stuff and and shorts and, and things like that. And they're like, wow. Like, I'm a big fan of hers, you know, and that can only carry over in a good way, mm-hmm. I think, for the next Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, just a bit, just a tidbit, if you're interested in uh, post-apocalyptic stuff, and I imagine you are if you're listening to a post-apocalyptic podcast, um, the not this new Mad Max movie, but the one immediately before it, Mad Max Fury Road, it is worth looking into. Um, I don't think we've written an article about it, but I've read a a few articles about the road to making that movie. Mm. And it is such a fascinating tale because uh, they tried. That's a movie that they were trying to make for a decade or more, Mm -hmm. maybe more than a decade. It was a long time. And it was just basically, you know, one guy who was just determined to make it happen. Wow. And, uh, you know, a lot of times stuff, something like that happens and, and the movie's not great, but Fury Road is, is considered, you know, maybe the best in the whole series, um, of a series that, you know, is full of great ones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm old school on that. I still love Road Warrior, <laughs> but I can see, I, I like Fury Road for the fact that it brought so many new people <clears throat> into the series, mm. you know? So you get so many people yeah. who have maybe never even seen the first one. They thought it started with Road Warrior or, you know, Beyond Thunderdome or something. But, uh, but yeah, it was about 20 years, at least 20, maybe 25 years 
since that since Beyond Thunderdome. So yeah, I I a- like that it made having a blood boy uh, socially acceptable. Because <laughs> I you know I I just feel like you know we should be accepting of all sorts of um, new ideas and transplanting young blood into our old veins might just be you know a way to feel better. <laughs> Do you have something to tell us? <laughs> Do we need to search your basement? What's going on? <laughs> Look, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that, uh, you know, don't judge me if I do. And um, <laughs> don't be surprised when I'm more energetic and younger looking <laughs> than the last time I did this podcast. Um, moving on. Let's see. We've got a Quiet Place spinoff that's coming up. That, no, no, that's been announced, right? Yeah, it's been announced. It's um, now okay. They had one with John Krasinski. Mm-hmm. He basically directed and produced and starred in it, and his wife Emily Blunt. And then there were there two has been announced, and it was actually supposed to come out already, but because of the pandemic, and they they wanted it to be in theaters, but of course, who knows when theaters are opening? Right. So I think they're actually finally going to bring it out in spring of next year, like April. Oh wow! Oh. So that'll I thought be it was two. out a long time ago. No, that'll be two. Hmm. And then three. Well, it's not. They haven't said if it's like part three, but they say it's a spinoff in the same universe. The same. You oh, know, that's interesting. That, yeah. With the monsters that can with the super sensitive hearing mm-hmm. and everyone has to be quiet. So it might be going the way of like Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, mm. you know, where where you have the same time period, but like a different group of people. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would. Yeah, and and for those of you who haven't seen A Quiet Place, it doesn't spoil anything to tell you. The plot is uh, that uh, that the world is is basically been overrun by aliens that are stronger than us and track humans by by uh, sound only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're, uh, go ahead. They're they're basically blind. I I don't know. I forgot what the mm-hmm. reasoning is, but they basically can't see. So they listen and everyone has to be super quiet <laughs> so that yeah that's the that's the plot and you know and in a quiet place you have you know problems like what do you do if you have a baby and babies don't know to be right? super quiet for the alien pretty good movie yeah and uh yeah, you know I, I will be watching the second one um just based on how good the first one was and we'll be watching the series but the series probably a little ways off right mm-hmm. yeah yeah it'll be a while 22 they said probably 20 yeah probably 22 all right um more news the halo tv series which is coming up on showtime they have been uh they've been shooting during the pandemic we don't know if they're going to hit they had said before that maybe early 2021 is when they were going to start showing it who knows if that's still the case um IGN can't even get them to go on record as to whether or not they're still on track for that number. Hmm. But what we do know is that they have made a little bit of a shuffle in the uh, casting and the original voice of Cortana from Halo 1 on through. Also, uh, the voice of a Microsoft-powered personal assistant, that Cortana, on board for the show. She's doing Cortana in the series. Nice. You know, to add to that, the president of Showtime said that the series will be faithful to canon. I'll say I'm very happy about that. 
I haven't played through every campaign, but what I have done, and what I suggest everybody do, really, if you like Halo and you like the story of, of what Halo is, uh, you can go on YouTube and just watch the cutscenes from the games, and it will give you the full story hmm. of what's going yeah. on. And it's actually, it's, it's really entertaining. It's like watching a little movie. Not only that, but there are Halo novels. And I don't normally go for something that's like, feels like it was just made to take advantage of the popularity of something else. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't read them until a friend of mine heart, who, who had suggested really good books in the past basically insisted that I must read it. You know, he knew I was a Halo fan already. So um, read, I think, four of the Halo novels. I think there's more than what I've read. Maybe there's like six. But the ones I read, great. Really? Great novels, yes. Hmm. Very good sci-fi. You know, good sci-fi to me is something that makes me think about what's possible in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, it's good on that front. And on the post-apocalyptic front, the struggle of humanity to survive against what is. If you're not f familiar with the Halo tale, it's a alliance of aliens who are very religious aliens. Uh, all sorts of different alien species who have basically decided um, that humanity has to go. Hmm. And so they've done it to a lot of species, you assume in the past and just like go through the universe, like wiping out inconvenient species or assimilating them into their alliance. And uh, anyways, humanity stands up for itself, says no way, you know, and, and so the rest of the halo uh, tale is humanity trying to survive against this, these insurmountable odds. You know, another thing I wanted to talk about is uh, we have a, our writer Val, uh, also known as 8-Bit Val, wrote about how to survive with type 1 diabetes in the apocalypse yeah that was a really good article mm -hmm. yeah it really um really lays out what it takes to keep a type 1 diabetic alive and why it's pretty impractical once you run out of that insulin to go on continue living it's it's pretty it's pretty dark it's kind of like it makes you feel like uh, that one twilight zone where the guy like lose loses his glasses and oh yeah the apocalypse and there's just nothing he can do it it would be really tough uh i guess uh you know if you are a type 1 diabetic check out that article you know know what you can do because you can do some things you can stockpile in insulin for starters and you really ought to at this point if you can afford it stockpile some insulin get that get a good supply going and um you know keep it keep it well preserved because you might need it who knows yeah, yeah it would also help to have a refrigerator with a solar panel attached. yeah yeah i mean because even stockpiling won't last forever you know and uh getting a cooler like we were talking about this before i have a cooler that's a it's basically a, a plug-in cooler it's a 12 volt so if you have it hooked into solar, you know, that thing will run forever unless it, unless it's cloudy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, if you have enough batteries and everything, you can set it up, mm -hmm. but um, that's a good way to keep that stuff cool and keep insulin cool. But still, you know, once you go through that supply, then what, you know, and, and I think that's kind of the point of her thing is, you know, nobody really talks about it too much. I think walking dead had one episode where they, they like Daryl found some, is that right? But, you yeah. know, other than that, nobody really wants to address that. 
And I think that that was Mm -hmm. a a good point of her article because it's just one of those things where it's like, well, we hate to tell you, but you're probably not going to make it very long if you don't have insulin, you know, and that's the sad truth of it. Yeah. So now I'm making a list of all of my friends with type one diabetes so that about a year after the fall of civilization, I can go maybe pay them a visit see if they uh left me no i'll pay them a visit beforehand <laughs> i'm like i'm watching I, stephanie's face wow. as you're saying this <laughs> they, wow they might have left something for their friend Derek, or you know but no i i i would want to say goodbye first so um that's dark there's also the uh just to mention the first season of colony oh, yeah. the one with josh holloway mm-hmm. also you know, it's not the same because it's an alien invasion and the aliens are kind of in control. So they still have technology. It's not like post, you know, struggling to survive without electricity. But they address it. They address the idea of type 1 diabetes there, too. So Yeah, so check that out. Hey, by the way, uh, we at Post-Apocalyptic Media have conquered new territory. We are expanding uh, on the Internet and acquiring space. So maybe... Maybe you don't like typing out postapocalypticmedia.com. Maybe halfway through, your fingers start to cramp up. <laughs> You're fatigued. You can't go the whole way. If you just type postapocalyptic.com and <laughs> press enter on your keyboard, you're there. You're going to see us. Postapocalyptic me. Hey, maybe you're a grammar snob and you want to put that little dash in there. Post-apocalyptic. Boom. We got you covered. So uh, just a little positive news for the site. We are uh, continuing to fill up our calendar with great post-apocalyptic events and TV shows and when they're coming out. So if you were like, you know, wondering when the next Fear the Walking Dead episode is, you might see it on our calendar or when a movie is coming out or when a game is coming out. We're putting all of that into the calendar so that you have access to it. We provide that service free of charge. So check that out on the website. Um, Also, if you like this podcast like it i guess can you like a podcast is that an option <laughs> yeah i think so well you can internally yeah you Look, can, you can love it like internally yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh you know subscribe for sure and um and tell tell your friends and um leave a review let's see what else what else can i ask of our audience at, in this uh this segment where I ask them to do things. Um, <laughs> uh, c- cut your own hair. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> if there's ever a time to learn how to cut your own hair, now is the time. So, uh, by the way, I've been doing this for about four years now. Maybe longer than four years. Yeah, I've been cutting my own hair. Hey, maybe that's not a good advertisement for cutting your own hair, but look at me. Look at that. If you're if you're Pretty watching impressive. the video right now, you're seeing some cut hair. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you you cut my hair the last time I got my hair cut a couple months ago. I did. You cut it. I did. I hacked uh, not your the bangs hair. though. I've been. <laughs> yeah, you hacked at my hair. We have video of it somewhere. We also, um, and I try to cut my bangs. They they don't turn out great, but they're not terrible either. They're just always too long because I'm scared. So um, don't there you frighten go. the people. It's not hard. <laughs> if you mess up, who you know, you're not going to lose your job. If you're going to lose your job because Look, you cut your hair bad, maybe 
maybe it's not for you, but... Uh, <laughs> I would suggest if you're in a post-apocalyptic world, don't even bother with bangs. <laughs> just, you know, if you're a girl, you know, just let your hair, don't worry about it. Bangs are too complicated. But, you know, in the pandemic apocalyptic world, give it a try. Why not? I think Furiosa would beg to differ on yeah. on mm. whether bangs are important. Yeah. Maybe this is bad advice. <laughs> Feel free to ignore me or leave a comment about how it's Half bad advice. Half of Stephanie's advice is purposefully bad. <laughs> to put you at a disadvantage if we're ever uh, at odds. <laughs> yes. uh, Stephanie, speaking of um, you... How's that for a transition? Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> Fear the Walking Dead. By the way, before I start talking about my segment, I would like to give a shout out to my friend, Liz Wilfong, who made this hat for me. Yes, she loved our podcast. She has loved it. She liked the hats I was wearing. And so she made me a hat, especially for this podcast with camo. So when she actually made me two, but I can only wear one. When you at a say time. made, you mean she went to a website and selected the colors and <laughs> had them send it to you? <laughs> she crocheted this like by hand from scratch with like just starting with yarn. Yeah. So impressive yeah, to me. I'll believe it if she, when she proves it. <laughs> send us a video, Liz, if if it's true. If you're not lying to us. Does Cafe Press do that now? Is that what that is? It's Etsy. <laughs> oh, that yeah. She she just tore the cafe press tag off of that thing and sent it back. Oh my god! Through the mail. <laughs> well, um, I'm very impressed. Thank you, Liz. And oh, and on to the topic: Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> I'm working on two articles right now. I'm actually I was just I'm just about to publish them. They're pretty much all written. But. Um, We've talked about Fear of the Walking Dead here before. It's been a really great season so far. Yes. Um, I just want to warn y'all that if you care about spoilers, we're going to have a major spoiler that happened in season three. So just if that bothers you, you can skip over the part my my part. Feel free. But um, and then just like a little minor thing about season six right now. But okay. With that said, so. Madison died in season three. They changed showrunners, and there's a lot of people who have theories that Madison might be coming back. Now, fans have been wanting this for a while, and when she died, we didn't actually see her die. We saw her basically lock herself in with a bunch of zombies in order to help her children um, be able to escape a situation. Now, you know, back then when I watched that episode, I was like, well, they could have just driven away. She didn't really have to do that. But, <laughs> and then that still bugs me. But we never saw her die on screen, which, as you know, in any TV universe means that she could theoretically still be alive. The showrunner said in interviews at the time that she was dead. Fans are guessing. They, they thought this last season and it didn't pan out. But they're guessing again that she might be coming back this season. Um, what makes this interesting to me is just um, when I did some research into it and I found out the she was killed off the show when the original showrunner also left the show, Erickson. Um, I want to make sure I get his first name correct, so I'm just checking my story right now. Um, 
Dave Erickson. Dave Erickson left the show as the showrunner, and he had big plans for Madison and big plans for the series. And then Andrew, I, I as y'all know, if you've listened to this, I butcher people's names, so just be prepared. Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg took over the series from season four on. They had different plans, and actually, I'm sorry, Dave Erickson was season one and season two. The other guys took over in season three, which was when they killed Madison off. So, yeah, that, there will that's be a test happened. at the end, by the way. There will be a test because oh, these details are very important. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Dave Erickson had this really cool plan about Madison. If you were watching in the first two seasons and didn't like Madison, but there was a reason for that. He had a very long arc in mind that was going to go over seven seasons where she was going to turn evil and basically become Negan-like. She was going to be just this real kind of overlord, descend into darkness type of thing over a number of seasons. And her son, Nick, was going to be the one who couldn't go with what she was doing because they were already creating this gap between them in seasons one and two. And so the idea is that there was probably going to be a big standoff between the two of them. And, you know, who wins, I don't know. So that was the big plan. And I I had a lot of problems with, with season two, but also with season three. So especially season three. But <laughs> anyway, um, it's so much let's, better now, though. Let's be fair to season three. There was it was a good season capped mm-hmm. off by probably the worst Walking Dead episode ever made. In, you have to remind right? me which one you're With, thinking of. The the one where Madison dies, right? Is is the end of yes, season three? The mid the mid season three finale. Okay, the mid season three finale. Terrible. I they yeah, they went for something a little artsy and um so that can work out really well. In this case, it was so bad. It, really um, it made me feel sad for everybody involved because yeah. they were actually putting together a really good season up until that moment. And then a whole episode yeah. that just uh, did not land in any way. No, but but I will say this, this current season of Fear the Walking Dead different than any season of Walking Dead I've seen yet. And it appeals mm-hmm. to me personally. This is like, um, you know, without giving anything away. This season of the Fear the Walking Dead is about an empire and you're seeing all of these different pieces of a burgeoning society mm-hmm. coming together. Um, the leader isn't some Rick type that's, you know, always deciding, oh, you know, is it right to kill somebody uh, you know, before <laughs> they turn after they've been bit kind of a person. This is like a hardcore leader who, you know, just do whatever it takes and maybe has a little corruption on the side, which is providing a lot of, uh, you know, struggles for the show yeah. to work out with these um, very black and white, I guess white hat is the is the phrase, white hat characters who are not comfortable with moral ambiguity mm. as much. And uh, anyways, it's, it's shaping up to be a very good season. Uh, really is. So yeah. if you checked out of any of the Walking Dead series, Maybe just pick up fear at the beginning of this season. What season is this? Yep. Uh, this is season, I believe this is season six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Check it out. You might, you might find that it, you really dig it. Yes. Yeah, season six. I just confirmed it. Well, 
and and yeah and and i think it's really good i don't think we need madison in this season i think it's great without her i don't know what you think Derek or sean are you caught up on it no i'm not caught up i you know i think though that's a a walking dead uh staple though you know they they get these good these people you attach yourself to and then they kill them off Mm -hmm. and uh i don't want to name any names but you know starts with a g and ends in an n and uh and and so you get you just kind of find yourself heartbroken but then it makes you want to keep watching you know yeah. so i think they're trying maybe trying that with this one I don't know. yeah i think so too I, I i personally don't really see her coming back but that's just my guess but that that's a rumor right that mm-hmm. she might be it was a back. rumor last season too though because fans just really want her back so i don't know if there's you know i don't think it's gonna happen but it's an interesting rumor to explore and the show lost nick because Nick didn't want to be in the show anymore, correct? I think so, but it's been a while, so I don't recall. All right, I probably shouldn't be putting something like that out into podcast <laughs> world without knowing. I, so. <laughs> I probably wrote about it back when it happened, but it's I've written quite a few stories since then. <laughs> I always find that so fascinating about screenwriting is that you can't just write, like you said, he wrote an arc for seven seasons. You can't just do that because people will love or hate actors you know and mm-hmm. and they'll they or the actors will get sick of it or whatever and they just you know they'll kill this person off and then they'll get four hundred thousand letters that'll say bring them back and they'll bring them back i mean wasn't that mm-hmm. with uh with walking dead wasn't there supposed to be let's see i think daryl wasn't daryl not supposed to make it that long yeah i think he was supposed to be a short-term character but everyone loved him so here we are now they're gonna do a spinoff with daryl and carol <laughs> i don't get the daryl love I love the guy as an actor, of course, uh, and as a person. But uh, you know, he's like devolved in this. He's devolved, then he re-evolved. Now he's now he's a cool dude again. But like for two or three seasons, he was all grunts and yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a real boring. Anyways, we love you, Daryl. If you're listening right now, you're a great uh, Daryl. <laughs> uh. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and end on this last topic, which is kind of outside of the normal post-apocalyptic fare. This is true history. Uh, I have a fascination with Easter Island, which, if you're not familiar, Easter Island is this little island out in the middle of the ocean. No, not close to anything. It's like 1,400 miles to the nearest other thing, basically. And... Um, there are all over this island these enormous statues that just look like this looks like a head you know a lot of depictions just show the head and then you know we found out i guess later or maybe you know that we knew all along but it's most of these heads actually have a full body you know you had to like dig it dig around it and find this huge body that was there and um anyways it's all over the island fascinating um very low population island uh and I was on Disney Plus and just rooting around, and I found this documentary about Easter Island and began watching it, not thinking it was going to be applicable to post-apocalyptic at all. But what I found was a very interesting story of a people who had, a, had an apocalypse. You know, as you know, he, the planet Earth has never had like a full-on apocalypse. I guess the closest you could come to is when... Uh, the Mongol horde, you know, led by Genghis Khan and Subatai started just executing like half of humanity. But, um, 
We've never had like a situation unfold where quite like Easter Island, where I'll basically, you know, I'll give you this, this broad overview. And if you want to get into the details, Disney plus has the documentary. Um, but basically what happened was they had a very vibrant, you know, nice resource, resource, rich, uh, culture there that was doing fine until this is the theory. Now this is, this isn't recorded history, but you know, the scientists and the historians and people who dig through rocks and date things, they've come up with this, with this analysis that basically they had this forest on the Island and that forest helps sustain all the people that live there. And of course they were sailing. They were some of the best sailors, you know, so they were going all over to probably, they started out in Thailand um, and made their way over there. It was basically halfway between um, that continent and South America. And then they made it to South America too. Um, so they're sailing back and forth. Somehow a rat or some rats got onto the ships and made it all the way back to Easter Island. Now, why is this a problem? Well, there's no natural predators of the rodents on Easter Island. Uh, there was really no, no large mammals there at all. So and like the birds that were there, they ate, right? They ate a lot of the birds. Well, what happened was, uh, you mean what the Easter Island people? Yeah. I was saying you said no natural predators. And I said the close, I was thinking the closest they had were the birds, but they ate those, right? Uh, I'm not, I don't recall the the Uh. documentary addressing that, but basically their theory is that these rats, um, became extremely, you know, because they, they, reproduce so quickly that they very quickly became a nuisance on the island and that one of their food sources was the seeds that fell from all the trees so with when within one generation they went from having this huge forest to having almost no new trees grow, growing and uh the story kind of unfolds in this documentary to show a society that goes from having enough and being very peaceful and of course, you'd have to have a pretty vibrant, peaceful society to create these enormous stone monuments like they did. But it devolves extremely quickly when people start realizing it's either starve or kill my neighbor. And it becomes a very warlike place to be. Um, and, you know, they, they're theorizing that it happened so quickly and suddenly that nobody saw it coming and so they couldn't even build the boats needed to like flee the island so they're just stuck there Mm. without any of the natural resources that they were used to they theorized that cannibalism started to become an option because there's just no other food source other than fish you know and it just got worse and worse um so i can't vouch for the accuracy not being an archaeologist myself but it's a cool theory and very interesting to see kind of an ecological apocalypse unfold on that island. Yeah, it's so sad. Wow. That's kind of like what happened, you know, in the 30s here with the Dust Bowl during the oh, Great Depression yeah. and all that. Mm. You know, the Dust where, Bowl. Yeah, I mean, basically, and that, you know, that was all out in the Midwest and just crop, like overgrazing of crops and over, not rotating crops and, you know, stuff like that just destroyed the land you know the soil and people died you know like crazy but and correct me if i'm wrong but didn't locusts have um have a hand in the dust bowl as well yeah it was a lot of these those things all coming together plus you know the great depression 
going on at that same time. But yeah, wow. locusts, like this crazy swarm of locusts that just cleared everything out. Yeah, it's crazy. Gosh, that is crazy. You know, like we talk about how, you know, 2020 has all these bad things rolled up into one, but talk about a time period with a lot of calamities rolled into one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the 30s. That's, uh, yeah, my grandmother was in Oklahoma at the time of the Dust Bowl. So, you know, she described how you'd take a rag and wet it with water and then wrap it around your face to breathe through and it would help yeah. with the dust. Yeah, they didn't um, have N95 masks back then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gosh. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, by the way, a little known fact about locusts. Uh, I'd say it's little known because I didn't know it for a long time. Locusts are just grasshoppers. Do you know that? Locusts are grasshoppers. They, <laughs> yeah. um, the, the only difference, uh, what they find is uh, the grasshopper's body is one way when it's a grasshopper and it's a different way when it's a locust they behave very differently and the only difference the way you can turn a grasshopper into a locust by rubbing its leg you yeah. have to rub its leg a lot like every 15 minutes or something for two days or something like that and its body will change and become like bigger and its wow. behavior when it's a grasshopper, it's a very like a solitary kind of a bug, and then when it's a locust, it's like it joins in communities of locusts. It's it's very strange how they. Um, it's so crazy, and isn't it like that they're being close together, kind of? Then they their legs rub together more, and that kind of creates that transition. Yeah, the theory is that this is like an evolutionary um, trigger. Like, if there's plenty of food everywhere then act like a grasshopper and just, you know, live your life to the best. But when food becomes scarce because there's too many grasshoppers around, you turn into a locust and you start, you know, conquering, I guess. I don't Wow. <laughs> They're like don't werewolves really or something. What's That's that? Cool. They're like werewolves or something. They just <laughs> turn into That's crazy. That's such a good comparison. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so if you didn't know, now you know. Grasshoppers uh, are innocent until they're not, until they're locusts, and then they're they're a threat to humanity. Wow, crazy. Uh, all right, well that will wrap it up for this week. We will be uh, off for one week. We're taking next week off for Thanksgiving and the holidays. So I hope you all enjoy that. As always, this is Derek with Post Apocalyptic Media. Reminding you out there to stay safe and always be ready for the big one. Take it easy, y'all. Bye. Bye.